0: What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. Still loving that opening podcast intro. Huge shout-out to Mike Skinner for that introduction song. It's great. Uh, Anyway, all quiet on the Browns' front today as we didn't see much, even though a late-night tweet here from Josina Anderson kind of doubling down on the ridiculous, in my opinion, Baker Mayfield talk that's been going on about a trade. She says to pay attention to tomorrow. I'll believe it when I see it. We are, again, going to be pretty quiet on any sort of updated news unless two things happen, one of which is Baker Mayfield being traded, the second is the Deshaun Watson suspension announcement, and then we will cover the ramifications around it. Otherwise, unless something unfortunate happens in the news cycle, there's not a ton to talk about in terms of updated situations with your Cleveland Browns. But we are going to continue plugging away on season previews. Today, though, we're going to take a break. From the audio preview for the 2022 season, which we will get to defensive tackles tomorrow, I wanted to share with you my interview on Matt Waldman's RSP podcast. So check it out. I think it's a great conversation around the quarterback and the offensive skill and some of the defensive stuff that I have been uh, voicing for much of the offseason. So let's get over to that interview with myself and Matt on his show right now.
3: So listen, let's get this rolling with our guest now. OBR's Jake Burns, who runs the OBR Film BDN podcast. I've had the honor of being a guest there a few times and it's about time Jake joins us here for the the views on his views on the Browns and the NFL. So Jake, this is long awaited. A hearty welcome to you. So glad to have you
0: hey listen it's my pleasure man since i've gotten to do this stuff matt i've I've gotten to know you as a browns fan of, of 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 original nature and i've always wanted to be on your pod too and this is kind of a mini uh feel good moment for me man i i admire the work you do and and, and the hustle and the grind and i think it's a great example for all of us who work in the industry man so my pleasure 100 uh, percent. well thank
3: you and the feeling is quite mutual because i i love hearing your takes about the browns and just football in general so, what came to mind to me, I mean, obviously, you know, we're both Browns fans. This has been quite a situation, but i I'd like to kind of keep it to the field because I know a lot of the the readers that I have are fantasy players and they and but they're also fantasy players who like to go in depth about football. They like to learn about the yeah. game. So you know, some of the things that I guess we could start off with is, I'm just wondering, the only organizational question I have for you about Deshaun Watson is, do you think there were anybody in Cleveland before all this went down who was part of the organization who was, like, split on the idea of him even coming here? You know, was were there anybody, is there any indications of people on staff who were like, we really were hoping to get Matt Ryan or Russell Wilson or trade for somebody else or or draft somebody um, rather than, than take Watson with what he brought to the table before all this blew up, you know, to the level that it has this spring and summer.
0: I think that's a great question and probably one that most people who don't blindly wear orange and brown goggles have asked, right? If you could get some true serum into everybody associated with the decision... Where did it originate from? Who was the one that made that deciding, uh, putting, you know, you obviously lean toward Jimmy Haslam as the owner, but then you have Jimmy Haslam's interview after, you know, and again, he was separated from everybody else at the welcome Press Conference, but he says it originated in player personnel, which generally points to Andrew Barry and Paul De Podesta. There, they're, to me, they have done, while I think there is a, a, a clear amount of, in a decision like this, Matt, I think you can agree that there's just no way everybody was uniform on this there's just no way there's just there's just too big of a decision so while i believe there were probably some who were against it all that it brought not not the player i mean you'd be silly to be against the player right like right. i think that's abundantly obvious but as far as the decision and everything that goes with it to me there was a split for sure but they have done an amazing job of keeping everything uniform uh, in terms of getting everyone to think well it could be this guy could be that guy and if you're able to do that then you're probably a pretty uniform front office in terms of how you go about uh, just just kind of covering your tracks from every angle right in terms of not just this decision but leaks and so on and so forth so i don't have an answer for that i don't think anybody really does have an answer at this point it seems like everybody is in and while while we could be sitting here and five, 10 years. And there's a truth be told book or a truth be told interview where there's actually an idea right. of who it is. We, we literally at this juncture do not have an idea of who, who, uh, who was against or who was for, they have all acted like they were in on it for good or bad. So again, tough, tough answer to a great question, but I just don't, I don't know. And I, I think as we sit here, they wanted it that way. They, they probably said once we made the veto or once the, the uh, decision was voted on or however the process is by which they went around about making this uh, not only initial press but the full court press to to really close the deal was hey we can't be we can't be against each other right we got to be together on this as, a, as at least as a public front so that's that's all i know as of right now that everybody was in on the move and again as things crumble in any job or any market or any decision then the finger pointing starts to happen and we'll we'll get a clear idea i think at that point who was who is the linchpin for the whole decision, right? Um,
3: you know, what What I will say is that aside from this, which is a difficult thing to do, but if we're going to compartmentalize it, we would say from an organizational perspective, um, when you have to deal with something that is going to be a tough decision, um, you need to be have all your ducks in a row. And I think you, the way you state that was just perfect is just... I mean, academically, if you're talking about leadership and teaching leadership, you may have a problem with the decision itself, but how you align as an organization is very important. And they're going to have to weather that storm and, and, you know, in order to, to be able to, to have some success, potential success, whether it's with Watson or someone else, they're going to have to do that. So getting the football. What are your thoughts, you know, with the idea, let's assume that Deshaun Watson is suspended for the year or much of the year. Mm-hmm. What do you think Jacoby Brissett brings as the Browns' likely starter at that point?
0: Um, A, a below-average skill set. I think you would have so, somebody like yourself who has watched him. You, you know, there's not a tool about him that really stands out. I think he does a pretty, pretty solid job of of handling chaos around him, but he's never going to be pinpoint accurate. He's really not going to manipulate people to open up other levels of the field. He's not a drive thrower, even though he's a big fella. Not really a drive thrower. Um, he is. He's able to make though the schemed up decisions, right? I think Stefanski can do a really nice job of. As we saw last year, and you and I illuminated on my pod, and I know you've you've talked about it several places, and I've probably talked about it to the point that people are sick of hearing me talk about it. The layups were missed last year, and if they made the layups, they were a playoff team. So the Browns, in my opinion, with Brissett, knew, hey, here's a couple things we want can a guy just do baseline quarterback things, right? Can we have at this juncture made a trade for a guy we think is going to do all the other important things at some point, whether that's a year from now or whatever. Like we understand that there's a 10-year contract. It's not a one-year contract. So even if he's suspended, a large part of the decision, Matt, is like, hey, this is going to be a year of 10 or a year of whatever, and we'll just bite the bullet even if it's as bad as that, right? So um, I think there's some of that. What they said with Brissett is – can we can we end the drama in terms and I know that sounds a little bit asinine considering what they brought in. Right. <laughs> but if if they have right, if they have can we end the drama as a football player? Because I think we can agree that Watson is a no nonsense football player. Yes. He's proven to be that way. And that was and I've said this again, I don't and I, My my listeners or people who are listening to me on your show here, Matt, is he always was a guy who in my opinion, was fascinating as a quarterback because he always gave really insightful answers. He was always great with the media. He was always great with presenting, hey, here's what I saw. I saw a too high shell. Here's how too high works. This is why I read too high. Where, here's where I go if the safety rotates off the hash. Like You don't get that from everybody, and especially you didn't get it from who was in Cleveland before. And it, that's, that's not a knock on Baker. It's just this, w- w- with how Watson approached it, I was always kind of impressed with how he handled that. And I think from a no nonsense on the football field situation, I think like Watson is that. So when the, when the Browns made this quote about we're seeking maturity at the position, it was not about Baker Mayfield, the person it was more so about Baker Mayfield, how he orchestrates the football team. And that point was missed by so many people. And again, Watson is a very mature football player, and I think as you if you talk to anybody who's paid attention to him, whether early in New England, Indy, or even his year spent in Miami, all respect, everybody yes. loves that guy. Very leadership-oriented, plays, puts his body on the line. I think the Browns wanted that. I think they didn't want to deal with any sort of nonsense, and not the case Keenum had that, uh, that, that issue at all, but I do think that they wanted a guy who they felt like was durable he could put the ball where it needed to be, given open scenarios. He could turn around and hand it off with success because you know that's what they should be doing here. Matt is handing the ball off about a thousand times in eight <laughs> games, or ten games, or twelve, or whatever the suspension is. We've right. talked about this stable of running backs. So, like Brissette, to me is just he's fine. He's I, you, we use the phrase I'm sure you're familiar with it. He's a he's a jack. He is just another guy at the position uh, who will who will ride the ebb and flow of hot streaks and cold streaks, and he will be fine. Teams will confuse him with coverage. If you expect him to win you football games, he will not win you football games, but he can be a guy who rides the ship and kind of keeps it in the lanes. It needs to be in. If your defense is playing well, if your running game is being able to be an anchor to what you're trying to do, not an anchor, that's the wrong thing, more of a motor. If it's the motor of what you're trying to do offensively and what you're succeeding with on that given day, he can do that. So he can hit the play action throws. He can hit broken coverages like, He's just not going to do anything above and beyond. But again, look at what broke the Browns last year, right? Play action. They would, they did not capitalize enough on play action opportunities. And then uh, they missed layup throws and they turned it over. They were not just turned it over, but took ugly sacks in situations where they couldn't afford to take ugly sacks. So can he eliminate those things? I think it's fair to say he can do a pretty good job with those things. He's comfortable with a solid offensive line. You know he played in those indie. Uh, the r- run of Indianapolis really strong offensive lines that they put together unfortunately just a little too late to keep the guy uh, keep the guy there who they wanted who we all wanted to see thrive but he's I think he's he's in a situation to me that should feel pretty similar to Indianapolis and I think he'll do okay um and, the, and luckily for the browns the first eight games are not gonna break your you know they're not gonna break your season here in my opinion so he's got a chance to get them to a respectable number. Uh, for me, like a four and four or three and five. Just just okay if Watson stays done half the year. If you're in a full season, Matt, you, I mean, what do you think? I mean, it's just it's just a full year of a guy who's a below average starting quarterback. So you got to have a bunch of things break your way. Your health has to be really good. Your defense has to be opportunistic and create some of those luck-driven turnovers, you know how those can be with fumbles and all of that stuff. So if it's without Watson this year, it's really hard to see hey, man, I see this clear path of the Browns get to 10, 11, 12 wins. Like, it's just – it's hard to really sit and predict that. So, why? I mean, you know, Watson, I think, is – and we'll delve into this in a little bit – is obviously very talented, and we'll talk about what the Browns are going to do for him, um, and he can do for the Browns, obviously, as well. But but Brissett, I think the offense will look – if if he's gonna, if he if he's going to be the guy, which we all sit here and think, yes, the offense will look pretty similar to last year. I mean, it's going to be – pretty vanilla and in, in, in pretty much all aspects and he's gonna use play action like crazy they're gonna try to manipulate defenses with misdirection counteraction power action some of the wide zone boot stuff even though the nfl as you know has gotten better at taking that away defenses are starting to counter it better but um if you see watson come in i think that's where you see a lot of the tweaks start to happen some of the some of the, the things that are a bit more a bit more fun per se Yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm at.
3: That's a fantastic answer in just so many different ways of things that I wanted to, I would have even followed up with a lot of those questions, contrasting Brissette with Keenum talking about the leadership Mm -hmm. angle because Bill Parcells and him are pretty chummy um, in terms of the type of things that they do. and in terms of their interactions and they, and, and the fact that he has been respected in every locker room that he's been a part of. And, you know, the fact that you go into some of the schematic elements of what he can do well, what he may not do well. And, and I, I agree with you. I think if he had, they had to go a whole full season with Prisette, you're looking at plus or minus two wins of, of a 500 record, you know, they would need the defense to play out of its mind. Um, to basically be ten and six, I think, and or they would need to have like their 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 offensive line just stay unbelievably healthy and Brissett play above his what he's done thus far. Like he'll have to have a few games where he just looks like a player that we haven't seen to that level um, thus far. But um, but yeah, I mean, look at it from that perspective. It, it, you, I think you hit the nail on the head about Baker Mayfield, which is that. An, whether even if we just restrict it to an injured Baker Mayfield, which is you know an injured Baker Mayfield couldn't really get it done for them and couldn't make the make the plays that you would expect most quarterbacks to make who were going to have that starting role. And I think you could look at Jacoby Brissett and have a have a reasonable expectation that he'd make those plays at least two out of every three of those plays that Baker Mayfield didn't make. Um, and then, you know, in terms of the ones that you just go, oh, come on, you know, I mean, not the ones that where you would expect him to do anything franchise level, you know, in that ability, but the guy who can do that at a franchise level is Deshaun Watson. And so, you know, let's move on to that. I mean, I've always characterized Watson as a player who was excellent in the pocket, just as a broad overview was excellent in the pocket maybe limited in how in his arm talent to the extent that he he throws for distance with velocity very well those high arcing 50 60 yard bombs that can go over the head of coverage great asking him to throw the 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 routes that maybe matt ryan used to throw in his heyday like the the deep comeback the deep out the deep curl at the boundary opposite side of the field um you're not doing that unless you have a guy who can take the ball away from the defender in tight coverage um, because, like a DeAndre Hopkins who was ac- excelled at that because Watson didn't have that velocity, but he had everything else that you're looking for. So tell me what you think some of the things they would they'll do with Watson when he finally takes the field, that will be an add-on to what they got out of Baker Mayfield.
0: Yeah, that's that's a fantastic way of putting it. A lot of those things I would echo for Watson for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, in my opinion, going to be some some RPO stuff. We know that what they have done such a nice job of. And Watson, through multiple injuries to his knees, is not he is not quite the uh, the athlete he was, but he's still good enough. And what he will do is he's not a runner by nature, but if you give him opportunity to either break pocket. Or be an RPO guy where he gets a little read option wrinkle. He can beat you. I mean, if you don't honor him, he can he can beat you. I mean, there was a funny quote when they came to Cleveland his last year starting there in twenty twenty where Miles Garrett kind of kind of caught him from behind and he said, "What? Did, I didn't quite know Miles was that fast." I think that's a lot of quarterbacks probably feel that way. But uh, he's not. He is definitely not Lamar. He shouldn't be mistaken for that type of a Kyler Murray type general overall athlete. But he's a good athlete he's not bad and he he can run when he needs to what he does well and uses his athleticism to do well is extend plays i mean you talked about his his ability to hang in the pocket take a hit and bounce off and and and, and extend plays so you know we're talking about rpo stuff and and we'll kind of go there and then i'll talk about the extended play stuff but he's He has that ability to make you at least honor the legs, and when you pair that with a run game, which we know that the Browns will offer a significantly upgraded running back situation and offensive line situation to what he was dealing with in Houston, you you could see some dangerous stuff here. I mean, you start to honor that. You get some split zone looks where you're sneaking tight ends into the flat. We know Darren Fells caught about 30 touchdowns from him, it seemed like, in those two years that they were paired together, largely just because they had a lot of eye circles, right? Like, I thought what was fun was... Um, when he got into the league in his rookie year, Bill O'Brien was doing a ton of stuff for him that translated straight from college, high orbit motion, bunch of different college based one two read quick schemes that were meant to to have him thinking less and playing more, right? I think they did a great job of it now as it evolved. and I cannot remember off the top of my head, Matt, maybe you know the offensive coordinator that they brought in for the 1920 seasons. Um, but yeah. they started to give him more multi, multi-level reads. And he really started to understand and thrive with those. And that's where his ability to extend play. So the RPO stuff will be big. They can do stuff with the tight ends. They can do stuff with the backs. They can get the slot receivers involved, in my opinion. Um, but But they can build from that. You know, your play-action boot game becomes a little better because you have a faster athlete that, as you know, if you're going to trail that backside defensive end, if he doesn't buckle down because he's worried about the quarterback, We know what that does for cutback lanes, right? That's what Nick and Kareem and can can do, and we think Jerome Ford will have a chance to get a couple carries in that realm as well. So that's an element to it. And if you have to, hey, I could cheat in and condense and still be able to take the right angle on Baker Mayfield, you're not going to take that angle on Watson. It's just not going to happen. So that becomes a little bit better because the Browns really didn't run much of it. Even though it was down across the league last year, they did not feel comfortable running it, so they didn't run it a ton. Clayton Baker was dealing with injuries and that's totally understandable. His mobility was starting to be even worse than it traditionally is in terms of his ability to outrun somebody as an NFL athlete, which we know was not something that was ubiquitous for him, but to, to, to see uh, Watson running those, I think it will be a better, more comfortable situation in my opinion uh, for him. So that element gets added a bit more. They're doing a lot of stuff from the pistol in camp. Uh, We'll see if that translates. They have not run much pistol. Kevin has never run much pistol, Uh, Look, And you would probably ask, well, why? Well, Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield don't exactly lead the the uh, mobile quarterback brigade here. So it, it does allow your quarterback to get a couple steps away from the center, takes those three step drops that Kevin likes to run stick concepts, slant flat concepts to pick up cheap NFL yards. Those become more of like a punch rock throw footwork. Um, instead of a three-step drop and from that pistol look as you know you still get the downhill you yes. still get the uh the element that we like of downhill that so that solo single back stuff gives you but you get more traditional read option quarterbacks eyes are on the defensive end or he's on that overhang trying to peek at where he can throw that slant or that flat right off of it to a tight end so he'll give you some of that and you can still do all your play action boot stuff, you can still do your counter power stuff that they like to do and set him up in the pocket. But above all else, all those things and, and you're you're spot on about the arm talent. He's just gotten, in my opinion, not a fantastic drive thrower, but anticipation wise has gotten better in his NFL career. Yes. To uh, to be where he needs to be to understand what throws he can and can't make. I think he made such large strides with that in the 2020 season of understanding. I can't make this throw, but I can make this one if I anticipate it right, or I'm I'm out a beat quicker. I thought he got a great feel for that. I will I will be fascinated to see if that maintains um, for the twenty uh, for the 2022 season because he took a year off, and you know how the game is. You know, you get yeah. away from it for a while, you can start to. You just need to, be, to sort of recharge the batteries in terms of what football speed around you looks like because you could try to recreate it in practice all the time, but it's tough. But the biggest thing for Watson, and you can agree with this, is the AFC is just stacked with these quarterbacks. Hey, man, he's a shot clock quarterback. Shot clock's wearing down. They've taken away our best answer. We wanted to hit this post against cover two, thought we could split it. They actually rolled into cover three, Rob, uh, or, you know, hey, we had this, this concept, this dig concept we thought was perfect against this Will Backer. They took it away okay, do you have a guy, the shot clock's running down at quarterback who can get a shot off and make a play? Yeah. He's that guy. He, you, you know it, and it's it's not always running, but it's extending with his. He is skinny, but he's strong. He, he has the ability to take hits in the pocket, bounce off of them, and still make accurate throws down the football field. So that's an element that he brings. He can, He can at times have really great accuracy to put the ball where only his guy can get it. And I think that, like, when you look at it, Matt, you know, there are guys like Josh Allen who 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 is just a special, special arm talent. There are guys who are anticipation kings, the Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees. I think he is a good mixture. He's a good quarterback in every category, I think yeah. is the way to put it. He's a good quarterback in every category. And if you're good in every category and you can do all those things, it usually is going to result in you being one of the best in the league because you don't really have a weakness. And I don't view him as having a real weakness to his game. So um, not, not again, not, he's, he's not Lamar as an athlete. He's not an anticipation God as some of these guys are, but he's really good. And again, to me, he fits. And this is just me, Herbert's special arm talent, Josh, special arm talent. He's, he's in the Joe burrow realm of quarterback where they're kind of a similar player, right? Not overwhelmingly powerful arms, but man, do they put it where it needs to be? They play with some anticipation. They, they, have a great sense of pocket awareness and situational awareness and enough athleticism that if it breaks down and for instance, in the AFC championship, he's unable to be brought down, uh, you know, like Joe was and create a first down with his legs. Those are the things, those ticky tack, Hey, it's third and six and the blitz got home, but you didn't bring him down. He picks up seven yards like that stuff he can do. And when you see what 2020 looked like for him with the anticipation improvements, the accuracy improvements, you you start to see how hey man this guy has put it together sort of figured it out and is going to be a problem for the foreseeable future. We'll see if that continues. He's going to have a lot of pressure to do that right away given the contract and, and on top of uh, you know all of the things we referenced at the beginning of this show. The pressure will be tantamount to LeBron Miami. I think is probably like the the highest level of NFL free agent yeah. people just can't stand you type of pressure. Um, which is it's it's going to be pretty unique for NFL standards. So uh, we'll see what it looks like. But as far as you and I looking at tape, what does he do? I, I that's kind of where I sit. He's he's a pretty he's a sp- he's a pretty special player who was on a very very high up curve. Uh, unfortunately, before 2021 was lost uh, to, to to everything. So we'll see if he is able to continue those trends that he was he was really putting into into, into action.
3: Yeah, so let's let's move. This was fantastic because this also leads into really about the strengths and weaknesses of the Browns and talk about this offense a little bit because when I look at Watson and what he does well and what he does best, you talked about all the different strengths that he has and what he can do as a shot. I love the shot clock kind of um, analogy because I always talked about it as guys who get painted into a corner by a defense Mm -hmm. and then they can find their way out without getting any paint on their feet or streaking the floor but (laughs) like yours is better. So like going through that you have you look at this offense and I think you know you have Amari Cooper who can win on the post all day long. He is a Mm -hmm. very good deep route runner especially in the middle of the field. You can get a lot of good looks out of him from there Um, and then you have Donovan Peoples Jones who is a good contested catch player and I think that that fits well on the perimeter on some on some routes where you know Watson may not be strongest there with that that arm but he can get it there and if you got someone who can give you a little bit of help in that contested field that's great and then of course the middle of the field you know with if Njoku finally you know I'm I'm kind of biased against Njoku and I'll just state this to Browns fans he's the guy that like was very talented complained about want, not wanting to be a part of the team and getting traded. And then when the team did well, suddenly he's we see workout videos of him working mm. hard. you, you mm-hmm. know. And so he's a guy that is very talented but needs to put it all together and could be elite in this league. And then there's, of course, Harrison Bryant, who we've talked about on your show as being a guy who sometimes Baker didn't see who was quite open in some cases and seems to be a compelling receiver at the very least, especially in zone coverage and some skills that he can do after the catch. And when you have you know, when you have these talents plus the rookie, you know, and the the rookie David Bell to me, I, I, I'm curious about your take about all of these guys, but to me, David Bell could be as odd as this sounds i almost think he could be one of the safest options in this passing game this year just because of how well he plays against zone his contested catchability his after the catch ability and his smarts as a just a player route runner in general i think he's going to be a quick study and i think he i wouldn't be surprised if he's like basically takes that jarvis landry role in what landry had in miami in his mm-hmm. early career and basically does that you know gets you close to you know somewhere between 80 plus receptions and bordering on 800 900 yards um and, and then gives you some red zone potential too because of what he can do um you know with that with that body that size of body he has and watson likes those middle of the field guys so you have a lot of options there
0: yeah we'll start with bell because i think you, you laid out some good comments that i just want to follow up on you know I, i've heard a lot of the Landry stuff and. To me, I'm with it. They have referenced him trying to play some big big slot at the at the at the NFL level. He has not necessarily played much slot in his Purdue days, but like he to me is is what you think of your your best seasons of Rashard Higgins. I think he can be a plus version of Rashard Higgins, a better athlete, a better technician at the position. Like I really think he can be. To me, he screams more just me yeah. more Rashard Higgins, but he can create. He can create in terms of. Getting open in terms of situationally, like he's not, we know David Bell's not going to run away from people. We no. can check what the numbers tell us, but I think he can run away from people through manipulation of route running, and that can create opportunities for him in matchup situations where maybe he gets matched up against a Mike backer or, or something like that, right? So I think there's definitely some options for him to be a slot guy, uh, a guy who can play Z when you need him to play Z. He can slide to X a little bit. I think they're going to teach him to do so many different things. And like you said, a great zone coverage player who should have a really nice opportunity uh, to get a lot of snaps in Cleveland um, right away and, and should be able to handle some of those things that were required from a moving slot, whether that's in motion or a Z that's in trips, running to a certain side, getting where he needs to be and kind of sitting in holes. But also I do think he has some wiggle and he's got that nice 10-yard burst. He's, in a, he's a right now runner uh in my opinion in terms of how he gets down the field so like he's able to build to top speed quickly his top speed's not going to run away from people like we both said but he can get to that top speed quickly and that does give him some initial separation qualities that really do help him so like you said he's a guy in scramble drill is going to be really good he's going to be where he's supposed to be when he does need to be i think he can be like i said a better overall athletic version. Um, and, I, and I mean that as a catching the football player, right? Back shoulders or weird body tracking situations. it's it's a it's a it's a crossing route and it's out in front of him uh, just a little bit or he's got to pluck it in a, in a back hips pocket position he can do those things in a more comfortable way and like to me that version of richard higgins is a nine eight hundred nine hundred yard player yeah. and that's a would, good that's a that's a dang good value to me. Here,
3: here's a guy that i think of and he's not as fast as this guy in terms of top speed but everything mm-hmm. you described screams to me juju smith schuster
0: yeah yeah it, it, it definitely in terms of a, a lot of similar a lot of similar college qualities right when they came out where Again, Juju's not a guy who was going to run away from people either, but he was able to be physical at the point of attack over the middle of the field, not afraid to do those routes that – I know the NFL is not the same NFL it was 15 years ago, right. but you still have an element of, hey, man, I'm a little worried about running this uh, this crosser against this Mike Backer, but he can do those things. So I think they envision him doing those things. So he should be a nice uh, sort of wild card there. The thing that's going to be most interesting about is how many of these guys they play. So they, they have had uh, – three tight ends that they felt good about now for two years. That has obviously led to an uptick in Kevin wanting to use three tight ends because he trusted those guys like those guys a bit more than he did some of the fringe talent at receiver. So now they really have two. You talked about Njoku. Hey, man, prove it. You you you. The Browns think you're worth it. You think you're worth it. You better It, it better work out for everybody. They better target him like crazy, and he better be an active part of being a, a solution as a targeted player. Right, so I really don't have anything other to say to that. He's he's a fine player. He's gotten better as a blocker every year. He puts in effort there. He has gotten to the point that I think he's he is not a fantastic athlete, but he's a good enough athlete to get open and contested catch wise. He's fine. Um, continue to avoid putting the ball below his waist if you if you can, because that's just a troublesome area for him. But I do think he's a he can be a, a decent NFL. Yeah. uh tight end like I, I mean i hate to say decent given the money he was given but i mean i think he can be an 800 yard tight end in the nfl if he's given the chance to do so he's got to earn mm-hmm. those targets again they paid him like it so you better do it harrison bryant to me is a, is an austin hooper just a very similar player to austin hooper which is why you know you eventually just say why do we have two austin hoopers right. so they, they they made the decision <laughs> to just give that role to him now that that's their two tight ends they're looking at like miller forestall they got a bevy of guys who are practice squad type guys. They have three players in the tight end room who are who are fighting for that that fourth potentially practice squad tight end position with hyphenated last names. They have this young man named Marcus Santos Silva who is a converted tight end, uh, sorry, a converted basketball player trying to play tight end. And we all know you are trying to catch lightning in a bottle with that, given some famous names in NFL history. So I don't know. It feels like they're going to live in twelve personnel, and then and then really uptick in eleven. Um, we, you know, Amari Cooper is Amari Cooper, man. I mean, as, as technician based as it gets, he's going to be a perfect fit for what they need a guy to do, uh, at being able to play Z, he can bump over to X when you need him to, he can, he can be your motion guy. He can play in the slot. He did some at Dallas. It's just how much tread is on the tires, right? Like he's obviously good. He's going to be fine a couple years. I think the Browns goal is to get two good years out of him. Uh, he should be a guy who gets a hundred and I don't know. I mean, he got 91 targets for Dallas last year, and that's understandable to an extent because of the talent they had at the position, but here he's got to get 130 targets. I mean, he's got to be up there. So the volume should be there for him. It's just about converting the opportunities into to plays, but you know, I yeah. mean, I mean, just he's teach tape at, at times with the release stuff and, He's fun and I think he's going to be good for this place that just needs workers, man. They just need yeah. guys who are hey, we I'm a fit in. You don't always have to like don't always have to fit out, just fit in. And Cleveland is a, a lunch
3: in. Cleveland is a lunch bucket place. And if yeah. you and you get a bunch of lunch bucket guys who are really good, you can be crafts, you can be a craftsman. You could be recognized as one of the better at what you do, but you got to be able to carry that lunch pail. And, and I th- and, I think you will. I think yeah. you will. Yeah. Um so let ahead. me ask you this. Um they they decide they signed to Ernest Johnson to another year, um, this spring. Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you've already you already drafted Jerome Ford, who is a is an interesting talent. You know, obviously you have Nick and Kareem, but you have Alvin Kamara with his off field stuff. You have Cam Akers, who is on a championship team, but is he going to come back fully from an Achilles tear? You know, he came back in record time, but is he really going to be the same guy? Um, you have some teams. You have the Dolphins who have like brought in everybody. Uh, um, you know, is there a chance? Are you looking at this like some people are speculating that Kareem Hunt may not be a Brown by midseason, and that they brought in J- Johnson for another
0: year because of that as a hedge? Good question. I, I have thought that um, I have thought that they they hedged in a way that they said, "Hey, we have four what we view as four talented runners here. And if you include Demetric Felton, who seems to be a guy that they they want to continue to play more wide receiver, they have five yeah. capable runners, if you extend it to five. Good, good call. So yeah, so so like They said this, if a team, what they're trying to do, in my opinion, Matt, is give themselves every opportunity to manipulate more picks. They gave up picks galore. They gave up the first, not trying to get a first back, but they're trying to recoup the number, the sheer number. What can do that? Well, what what, what sort of thing can do that? Well, in my opinion... Uh, it's fairly obvious that you would deal from a position of strength. We're not just going to let Dearness walk. We're going to give him a contract that lends flexibility to being traded. We have Kareem Hunt on a one-year deal here. We we certainly believe that Dearness can handle the backup role. We like Jerome Ford. We, we drafted this guy to play. You don't draft running backs in the modern era to sit on your bench if you think they're going to be a player for you. So their thought in my mind is two things. If Deshaun suspended for a significant portion of the season, and even if it's just eight games – we got to run the rock like crazy and that might mean that injuries mount up and we need we need as many of these bodies able capable bodies as entirely possible and if that is the situation they have four of them sitting right there in front of them right so they think hey we've got great depth at this position let's go crazy running the ball at least i would hope that's their tentative plan i would not want them putting a bunch of uh, opportunities in front of Jacoby Brissett to, to lead the team to victory very often I can understand why you would have done that with Baker Mayfield given you were trying to delineate whether this guy was a franchise quarterback or not could handle it but it is entirely different when you have a guy who has proven who he is and you're just trying to get through that scenario so to me running the rock at a, at a really high rate would make a ton of sense and with that like I said let's have depth now if the situation arises Travis Etienne, for example, last year has a ruptured Achilles or whatever, a team with a thinner running back situation, but at the same time has some sort of thing that pushes them over the edge. We've got this nice NFL former rushing champ here, Kareem Hunt, who can be a great option for you. Give us a third, give us a fourth. A team gets desperate for depth, maybe somebody gets hurt or whatever. They see their guys in actual pads and they're like, okay, this isn't going to work. Uh, They have this guy, Dearness Johnson, who could yield a fifth, sixth, or seventh, and they could get something back. So I think they've put themselves in a situation with three outcomes. We've got four good backs. We're going to use them. Let's go. We have this guy for a top-end team that is really desperate and willing to give up something of serious nature. We have a guy with a proven background, et cetera, et cetera, Kareem Hunt. And then, again, if we get somebody who just wants expanded running back depth, and we have somebody, we think, for this situation, too. So, I think it's an interesting spot for them to deal from strength where they're ultimately not going to feel like pressured into getting offloading one of these guys because this situation could call for them using all of them, right? So uh, that's my take on where they are. They could have completely different uh, thoughts and they know sure. that they're going to deal one of these guys. But just to me, that makes the most logical sense.
3: Makes sense to me. And so let's flip over to the other side of the ball and pose the question this way, which is what needs to happen so that the Browns' offense has the game scripts it needs to run the ball and let Jacoby Brissett play to his strengths. What is going to have to happen on this Browns' defense for that to come true?
0: Well, uh, good, good. First of all, great question. They're going to have to. They're going to have to cover like they plan to cover. Uh, it's pretty obvious to me that they think they're going to have one of the better coverage units because they have invested so much in that unit. And they have players, man. I mean, I think Martin Emerson, the young kid they got, is going to be a really nice player for them on top of Greedy. Greg who seems like he's going to slide inside and play in the slot more. Um, you, you, you have a ton of interesting options here. So I think that they they think they're going to be able to cover well. And through that coverage, they're going to be able to get pressure with their two outside guys and create just enough interior. And by outside guys, I'm talking Miles and, and Jadevian Clowney for those who aren't familiar with the Brown situation. I uh, think they're going to be able to, to you know, I, 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 put it this way. I don't think they're going to completely rewrite who they are, which was one of the highest zone usage teams in the NFL last year, which is um, a, a group that doesn't blitz much. Um, they they one of the lowest blitz rates in the league. They really are a funnel cover three and an in, in increase in more quarters usage team. They want to get you into putting the football in portions of the field where they can rally and tackle, right? Rally and tackle is their M.O., and that's what they want to do. Keep everything in front of them. Eliminate explosives as best they can. I think that that's a lot of what they will do. But they have increased the talent to be able to just accomplish the natural things. right? So like, hey, we we get enough coverage here. We think we have two guys who are going to be able to handle getting home on the quarterback. Enough at least to manipulate poor decisions. We have linebacker talent. We have JOK who emerged as a, as a fantastic player last year. Looking to take another step this year. We also have... Um, uh, Jacob Phillips, who if we can just get this guy healthy, could be a really nice mic backer for us. And, and obviously they have three safeties they think are going to be pretty good for them too. So I think that they're not going to create a ton of, of negative blitz plays, but they think they're going to cover well enough to be able to put, uh, to put some blitz schemes together this year. I think we'll see an uptick in how, how Joe Woods is able to uh, create some, some fun blitz stuff to create some pressure situations but ultimately they're just going to be a team who doesn't tries to lead the league and some of those uh what do we call those uh the three and outs I blanked on a very popular yeah. football term they're <laughs> going to they're going to they're going to look at it that way and they're going to try to get you know the turnover luck they're going to uh try to focus on creating more turnovers this year and stuff it's not it's just not it's not a wholly unique defense i mean it is it is not a uh it's not a staley defense it's not it's not um it's, it's not like a Dean Pease, uh, yeah. go crazy, blitz, pressure, cover one type of group, but they just – they have – I think they have a very solid approach to to how they try to keep everything in front of them, and the defense isn't going to beat them. And I think they're talented enough to get some creative plays – not creative, but the over-expectation plays that give them enough, uh, enough opportunities to really be – uh, really be special there so and i mean i think yeah i just it's just not it's hard to say this i'm not trying to knock what joe woods does but it's just it's just like people will always like blitz more why don't they do this they're just trying to eliminate explosives and keep they don't want to be the reason they lose put and, it that
3: way and i think that's a great assessment of it and it's and it's a wise decision if you ask me because yeah you could look at a guy like grant delpit and go Wow, we could, you know, what he did at LSU, he could blitz and he could do some, we could move him around. I know I was excited about him because of the, you know, some of the things that you could look at what Pittsburgh did with Palomalu and go, maybe he can do some of that for you. But you have to remember you have to have the personnel to do that. And you have to look at your team and go, are we an air at our out football team right now? Are we a team that we could be down 21 like Patrick Mahomes and get back into that game and be up by 14 within the span of five minutes? And the answer is without Deshaun Watson, the answer is absolutely not. So and if you look at last year, like you said, if if Baker Mayfield could have made some of the layups, health wise or not, whatever your argument is. Um, the Browns are in the playoffs and, and then it's a whole new world there. And this is, a, this is one of those situations where I think it's, it's wise. And I think it, you know, the way you bring it up, I mean, certainly there are people who are going to want to see more exciting defensive football, but it's a, it's the wise thing to do with your ground game.
0: Yeah. 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 I think that they want to play just strong, um, keep everything been, but don't break defense with a run game that controls getting ahead early and playing from that nature, right? They don't want to beat themselves because they know if they fall behind, Hey, we gave up, man, we just gave up this, this, uh, you know, a 60 yard touchdown, seven, nothing. It's 10, nothing. How are we getting out of that hole? They don't want to play that way. They don't want to be now team can nickel and dime them. And they might be at times, if a team has them really schemed up, right? Death by a thousand cuts situation could come into play there. But to me, they are going to keep everything in front of them. They're going to win with with run-control run, run control offense with some play-action shots off of it and and really a defense that that is going to just eliminate explosives and, and do the right things that the coach is asking them to do situationally, in my opinion.
3: Beautiful. So let's end this with this question. I want to know from you. You can give me one guy. You can give me three or four. You can give me five if you want give me give me some guys that you are especially interested in watching as we head into August for the Browns as we head into training camp for whatever reason just because you're curious about them, you're excited about them or you're you have you're skeptical about where they are. You whatever the reason, I want to just pick your brain about who we should be keeping an eye on and why.
0: Yeah, you mentioned one of them, and that's Grant Delpit, right? We're we're two years removed from his his rookie year freak injury where he ruptured his achilles just jumping and catching a ball in in basic, uh, basic situation of a, a drill. It was really really weird. I actually caught it live on tape when they were doing Browns Daily from from minicamp. But um, yeah, his versatility does that does that start to show itself, right? Does he get more opportunities in the box? Is he able to play slot coverage? We know that the NFL is more than ever asking their safeties to get get more creative in usage. He is the guy. John Johnson is another, you know, we know John Johnson can do that. It's just a matter of like, hey, what do they, what do they have behind him? So if John has that ability, but they trust him more as more of that deep safety then they they do they get creative with Grant. I think he's drafted as a guy. You got to remember this is something that's fascinating not many people think about. The 2020 draft, they they take that's Cleveland then Tampa Bay. Cleveland takes Jedrick Wills, Tampa Bay takes Tristan Wirfs right behind him. Cleveland takes Grant Delpit in the second round. They take Antoine Winfield right behind. Right now, it doesn't look great for Cleveland. just doesn't look great. The others have produced more. Now, given the situation, understandable what they were coming into, what was around them, I get it. But the Browns need to have these guys be those impact players we think they can, and um, it'll be a really important season for Grant to show that he can be a player that everyone thought he could be when he was drafted. So eyes are on him defensively. Eyes are on JOK because you just want to – I mean, listen, I cannot – if you are just like – What's the modern NFL linebacker look like? How does he play? If you can find a way to get some All-22 tape of that guy as, as uh, listeners of your show, and I know this is uh, maybe you're in an independent defensive fantasy league or something like that. He is a load of fun, man. Like like his ability, he plays linebacker like a running back. Like he's he's not built as a traditional backer, even weight-wise of a traditional backer by today's standards, but his ability to put those 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 little wiggle – a uh, little wiggle uh, plays that a, a guy maybe does to create a crease as a runner. Um, he's able to do that to make offensive linemen miss one, two, in and outs, like offensive tackles and guards cannot get their hands on him. And it is fascinating by years end, Matt to watch them get frustrated with trying to block him. And he plays at a different speed. The closing speed is surreal at times. Watching him take another step is exactly what Cleveland really needs so that one is one to draw your attention to defensively. Obviously, Greg Newsom, who had a fantastic rookie season as an outside corner, how does he develop if they move him inside more? How does he develop as an inside player? He seems eager for the opportunity, but you know all that that comes with, right? Run fit responsibilities. It comes with an in and out movement, right? In and out two way go as a defender, which is which is certainly harder to defend, right? So can he yeah. be as sticky without the sideline as something in his favor? So those are three guys. Defensively, that that have drawn my attention, uh, before, well before we even really get into this whole thing, uh, this year that I just have my eye on is guys. If the Browns are going to be this really good juggernaut, like they need those guys to become stars. They they need them to 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 meet some of the others in the middle. Offensively, we've talked about some. We've talked about David Bell. Uh, we've talked about some of the backs uh, along the offensive line. Jedrick Wills needs to take a big step. We know what he dealt with injury wise last year, but. He has to be more consistent. Quits on plays a little too early for my liking sometimes, uh, doesn't finish blocks. But if he can clean that up, he has such great fundamental understanding of the athleticism it takes to do a proper kick slide. His punch reset is really strong. I think he's bound to have a strong season if health maintains. But as you know, Matt, we talk about other players, especially even on this pod. You can't use health as an excuse, but it is a reality sometimes that you do have to make that caveat. If he gets a healthy year, Eyes will be on him. It's a big season. He's got to prove his worth to get the fifth-year option or potential contract discussion started. And then I'll give you another one that maybe people who are not Brown's devoted fans should pay attention to is just a fringe end of the of the end of the roster player. Isaiah Weston, this undrafted free agent from uh, Northern Iowa, old, 25 this year, but, man, off the charts, 10.0 RAS score, like a really, really, really great athlete. Uh, who's a big body, 6'4, 200, over 200, 220 and change, I believe, who has made some interesting uh, athletic grabs at training camp and rookie minicamp. Uh we haven't hit training camp, but uh minicamp and then rookie minicamp. Um he's just a guy to keep your eye on. You know those UDFA guys, you're you're gonna draft those guys, you're not gonna draft them very often, right? So you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna have to steal them. The Browns went aggressive in the wide receiver UDFA realm because obviously that's where they need the most. Um, So pay I'm paying pretty close attention to when he gets opportunities. Does the athleticism flash? Does the size play a factor? Didn't play as much a factor in his college tape as I would have liked. So does it play a factor in NFL? And if he, if he is a, a nice player for them, I mean, they're flirting around six wide receivers. They drafted Mike Woods out of Oklahoma, who is obviously going to have the inside lock on a roster spot because he was drafted by Andrew Barry And a reminder. Andrew Barry is yet in his three draft cycles. now. I can't really, this is a brand new class. It's hard, but his first two classes, he hasn't cut anybody. He's drafted. So that is a, that is a leg up for, for Mike Woods. But if you have this UDFA and you've clearly spent a lot of money on UDFAs here and wide receiver, can you convert one of those guys to be a nice player? And Weston to me is the one who makes sense as a guy who would be, a profile fit as a nice athletic weapon who could be a nice special teams gunner or a kickoff guy, you know, that's what you have to do as a six receiver, you know, is, is, Hey man, I can be a special teams savant, right? What's the, uh, the guy from green Bay Janice, is that who it is? Uh, I always forget who it was that, you know, you got to carve your niche there, man. And the Browns need some special teams aces. So, Um, just a guy I'm watching. And if you, if you see him make the roster, you can think, ah, I remember Jake said that guy's name. So um, that that's one to watch. Well, I'll tell you what makes sense.
3: And that's listening to Jake Burns talk about football and you can find Jake at Jake underscore Burns 18 on Twitter. You can find him on the OBR um, podcast, um, the OBR site. He does fantastic X and O's analysis. Uh, He always has good guests on the show. Mine present company excluded and you know (laughs) but we but you know it it was this was an absolute blast jake thank you so much for coming on is there anything anything that i've neglected to share in terms of what you what you you put out there because i'm sure those guys are just glad to have you
0: hey no you covered everything for my man such kind words and um you know i try to i try to do the same with with the same intent behind mine for when you're on my show too man um nothing but respect and uh, a pleasure to be on with you and anytime you want me here i will gladly talk any level of football with you appreciate well, you i
3: same here and this is gonna be great so we'll definitely have you on again um and again you know you can find the rsp matt pro- projections pre-draft post-draft two different products the, pro- the projections product that i didn't mention. Um, I update that throughout the year um, and when you purchase it in about 24 hours after you purchase, I will send you an email with um, access information and you get new emails each time I have a new um, you know, have a new update with different access information on it. Um, People really like how it closes the loop on their analysis with rookies because I do dynasty projections for pretty much every conceivable player on an NFL roster um, in terms of their fantasy potential and give you two different types of cheat sheets. So you can find that at mountwaldman.com. Again, Jake Burns, at Jake underscore Burns 18 on Twitter. Follow him. You'll get smarter. Thanks again. Guys, have a great week.